Welcome to No Player Connected. I'm your host, Professor Jam, and today we aren't playing Core Fortress, but we are going to talk about this game with expert artificer. Is it is it artificer or artificer? You make artifacts. Artificer. Yeah, Art artificer. artificer. All right. Yeah. I tried to make myself sound more fancy. And Zumbini Understander, <laughs> Trash Mac. <laughs> and, and then if you want to say hello or hi. <laughs> Hello, hi, thank you for having me. I did not expect that. Okay, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Alright. Okay. <laughs> I, I you do and we'll get we'll get to it later, but you do make some really cool artifacts and stuff. So I thought it was a cool little title for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let's just dive right in. What what is this strange, strange game that we're talking about today, Mac? Well, it's it's an interesting one. A lot of people look at it and are quite daunted. Uh, I can understand why. So, Dwarf Fortress was first released in 2006, roughly, by Tarn and Zach Adams. So it's made by two people. And the Steam release came out in 2022, the paid version or the premium version, if you want to be fancy. It's described by most as like a part construction and management sim, part roguelike. Um, I've heard it be called just like a sieve builder. I personally refer to it as a story generator. Basically, you start off with seven dwarves, you pick a place to embark, and you're on your own. I'd say the goal then is to build a fort, but you don't have to if you don't want to. There's many different ways to play the game. There's no end goal. There's no quests or anything like that. It's very much a sandbox game where here is your starting dwarves. Survive, good luck, have fun. And that word fun has mm. kind of a special meaning with Dwarf yes. Fortress. Especially if you put, uh, what is it? You put exclamation points before it and after it. Yes, losing is fun is the catchphrase because playing this game, you will lose a lot and that's okay, because you will probably lose in the most ridiculous way possible. <laughs> what do you mean by that? For folks that may not be acquainted with all of the terrible, hilarious ways you can lose in this game. So, Dwarf Fortress is incredibly detailed. Incredibly detailed. There are many, many, many layers to the game and its depth. A good example would be to look at the dwarves themselves. You know, each one of their teeth is a separate entity. They've their nails, their nervous system, their skin. So, you know, it can get really, really in depth with those things, which means you get fun things like I remember. Uh, watching an interview where they discussed a story where they had to patch out cats getting drunk and what would happen is someone would spill beer on the ground the cats would walk through it they would then lick their paws when they were cleaning themselves and get drunk that's the kind of level of detail that we're looking for but in the ridiculous ways that your fort can die you can flood it with water, you can flood it with lava, you can get a vampire might come in and just just decide to start picking off your dwarves in their sleep. A were-creature might come through and spread the were-creatureness disease, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you, you'd say lycanthropy, except you can have... Were-giraffes. Yeah, I have a were-jaguar locked up. Or Wait, is it... Is it a jaguar or a panther? I have some sort of were big cat that I yeah. have living in my walls right now. 
in my Yeah, story. I've had many a were kangaroo, were pangolins, like all of the animals. So, so you can't really say the werewolves. Obviously, you can have sieges, goblins can come through, you can piss off the elves, elves can come through, humans. I don't know if it's as bad in the premium version as it was in the free version, but a couple of updates ago, you could have a loyalty cascade where Ooh. your dwarves would just get so upset and they would all, all of the entire fort would just spiral into killing each other and everything. <laughs> And it was just massacre all the way down. And there are, of course, some other ways that your fort can fail that are unexpected if you dig too deep and are too greedy. Yeah, I I feel like we have to do the time-honored tradition, at least for the beginning of the episode of not spoiling what's down there. Mm. Except for bountiful riches that you should yep. definitely go for. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, dig straight down. Go for it. Straight down. Straight yeah. down. Go get that candy. Go get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Don't follow Minecraft rules. Uh, dig no. straight down. No straight stairway. Down. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> what What do you play the game for? Do you play it for that challenge? Do you play it to see stories unfold in front of you? Uh, what do you get out of Dwarf Fortress? Definitely stories. For me, it's absolutely a story generator. I love looking into the dwarves and reading about their personalities, their likes, their dislikes, their families, what sort of things they create, the relationships they build in the fort, the the books they write. I am a big fan of creating a story and just seeing where it goes really uh, and also the creative aspect i enjoy building the forts and i'm very much a aesthetics over functionality because you can make something aesthetic functional but it's hard to make something functional aesthetic so i always go for how pretty can i make this look and then can i make it useful <laughs> see when i look at your when i look at your streams when you're playing this it looks like it's both like when i make a fort i tend to try to just mass produce things so i'll carve out a room and i'll be like all right the uh 10 stone cutters workstations right there mm -hmm. get it done and then i look at yours and like there are somehow circles in the square <laughs> world that we live in the the floor is paved with something that isn't cave moss i don't see vomit or blood on the ground which is pretty common in this game oh, for those that common. don't know yeah and so that kind of surprises me because uh, I look at your stuff and it looks so sleek, it looks so pretty, but it also looks like it works really well. I definitely have a long way to go, and there are people out there that have built much nicer forts than me. I personally am a big fan of Kupo's forts. She creates the most trippy, like, drug-induced 70s, 60s forts, disco-strobing <laughs> ridiculousness. Uh, you know, that's the level I strive for. But I just like the pretty corners. You know, a, a circle is just a square with round edges. That checks out. As yeah. as a as someone who despised math and geometry classes, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, the fact that you said you have a long way to go makes me uh, makes me feel pretty good. That means I'm like chapter one of my journey, perhaps two, uh, and you're like chapter ten. Probably. Yeah. Look. I reckon you've got one up on me purely because you know how to use pump stacks. Oh my god. Okay, so for, again, for folks that aren't necessarily familiar, uh, a pump stack is a way of transferring uh, liquid 
from one level to another because you can go you can go up and down left to right but you you can also go up z levels in this game and for the longest time i just didn't know how to do that and so i decided to learn on a fort that has magma a hundred levels beneath where i wanted it to be mm. and so for baby's first pump stack i decided to uh, have a hundred of them pumping magma up from the bowels of the earth, which um, I compared it. Uh, a friend of mine was messaging me about this, and I said it was like uh, eating a gogurt. Have you ever had a gogurt yeah, before? Yeah. Yeah, it was like because I didn't have enough dwarves to man the entire system. And so I would squeeze the magma up a little bit, and then the dwarves would have to scurry up to the next level to pump it up higher. And so I was just, I was, I was treating the the magma of the earth as gogurt and oh, putting wow. it in my mouth. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, you should have tried hooking it up to some windmills or watermills. Ah, uh, that's, well, you know, hindsight's whatever numbers mean good eyesight. So. Uh, 2020. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> so, we were talking about collapses earlier. Uh, do you have any particularly noteworthy or exciting collapses that you've experienced in this game? Because, again, like, losing is, quote-unquote, supposed to be fun. Mm. Oops, somebody fell in the magma pit. Mm-hmm. We'll, have a, we'll have a little laugh about that afterwards. Uh, do you have any experiences like that you want to share? Absolutely. Many, many, many. I think my most not deliberate catastrophic because I've had one catastrophic failure that was deliberate but it was in a fort called Post Scratches and this fort was entirely cat themed because I base my forts generally when I'm starting an embark I'll have a look at what the civilizations are that I can pick from and I will base the theme of my entire fort around that Civ name, and I believe the Civ was called the Door of Cats, something along those lines, and I'm like, well, that's it. I'm going to take that and run with it. And I was pretty far into this fort, and uh, but I hadn't finished a few key areas that I normally have done first, which is a trap tunnel, and I didn't have any... Well, I had a squad, but they'd recently... Uh, my army had recently gone out and fought... I believe it was a Cyclops, and I lost most of them (laughs) in that fight. The Great Cyclops Conflict. Yeah, so I had no, you know, no army or anything like that. I had areas of my fort open that would normally be closed because I was sort of moving things around. And I had a Hydra come through, and this was terrifying. (laughs) because it was fast i was not able to get any of my drawbridges closed i was not able to lock down the fort safely it made it inside i had to throw all of my dwarves at it to eventually take it down so this was a fort of i think it was about 150 dwarves went down to 25 and (laughs) half of those 25 were children interesting normally my my children are on the front lines and so they're the first ones to go uh, mine were all pretty deep. I managed to take it down before it actually got deep into the fortress. Most of those deaths were me basically filling up squads with random dwarves and throwing them at this thing <laughs> to try and kill it. And then I had to try and rebuild a fort that was running smoothly with 150, and I had to do that with about 10 dwarves. 
because this was in the classic Dwarf Fortress. So in premium Dwarf Fortress, the Steam release, children are able to do chores. That was not the case. They were useless and they liked to play with their toys in the most infuriating of areas. So, you know, first I have to clean out all the bodies and that took a long time, clean up all the blood. It was, I think it took me several years to recover, or in-game years to recover from that failure. And how was the morale? Like, were they all just incredibly depressed while they were cleaning up the fort and acknowledging that happy. everyone was dead? <laughs> they weren't happy, not gonna lie, but it got to a point where... <laughs> uh, you can look at a dwarf's thoughts, and nearly all of them were like, uh, such felt and nothing. such felt nothing next to a, a corpse. <laughs> so I, I kind of numbed them all to it by the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some, like, fucked up uh, dwarven science that's been done where people are like, how do I desensitize my children so that they'll be perfect soldiers by the time they reach adulthood? And then yep. you'll get links to even older uh, forum posts like, well, I've set up a room that will perfectly stab dwarves until they're expert dodgers and then you fire coins at them. Yeah, it's it's great. And I I feel like the the depth of the game allows for like you had said before, like really cool storytelling, seeing what their what their thoughts are, the art that they've created, but then it's a video game, so people are going to try to min-max it. Yeah. At, at times. My favorite is I heard about uh, a, a like a training pool to teach dwarves how to swim, which is like they <laughs> they sort of lock the dwarves in a room and flood it. That's <laughs> <laughs> a. Just, they learn to swim. Yeah, it's insight into dwarven parenting. Yeah, do not look up dwarven daycare. If you want to have, if you're like eating or care about your little digital guys, it's going to either make you laugh or make you a little sad. Yeah. I remember someone had a forgotten beast whose extract or its blood or there was something that a forgotten beast was excreting from its body. What? well no no because it um it melted like fat and skin or something oh and so i if i'm remembering it correctly the person realized that it made the dwarves not feel pain after whatever <gasps> part of their body was getting burnt off and oh, so no. they were like exposing their military dwarves to this stuff and then they were like i mean dwarves are already pretty beefy and able to kill shit but they were like they couldn't feel pain anymore on top oh, of Oh no. Yeah, yeah. It was it was fucked. It it ruled. It was awesome. Oh, it, no, that was awesome. But that's the sort of things <laughs> that you can expect in Dwarf Fortress. Yeah. <laughs> that level of depth and that also that level of just what the fuck? You mentioned that Hydra. Now, did it have it can't regenerate its heads, can it? I believe it had multiple heads, but I don't think it regenerated them i'd have to go back and watch it because the whole thing is on youtube the me reacting Ooh. to it and the thing going down i there is a there is footage of it happening i honestly in the chaos can't say that i remember <laughs> <laughs> in combat in dwarf fortress is also really in-depth detailed i would say almost to a fault like one of the things that i take issue with with dwarf fortress is in combat you'll get things like the axe dwarf used his left pinky to grab the third tooth 
of so and so, but with a hydra or anything that's you know a big beastie like biting down on shit will uh, will kill you dead pretty quickly. So I imagine. Mm. Well, I don't even have to imagine. You told me it killed. <laughs> it almost killed everybody. Many people. Yeah. I mean, I think that's hilarious. The the, the combat side of things. Um, I mentioned the trap tunnel. So my favorite way to set up a trap tunnel is I basically make a meat grinder. I have a thin platform, which I fill with basically buzz saws, large serrated discs. And the reason I put it on a thin platform is the way Dwarf Fortress works is if an enemy comes up to a trap, they will try to dodge away from it and so i put them uh, over a pit so they either they, they'll try to dodge the buzzsaw and if they don't dodge it they'll get hit by it if they do dodge it they fall down 10 c levels to their death either way but the thing about the buzzsaws is i think they can hit multiple times in one go and when they kill something it's messy there are teeth and toes and fingers and skin and it just goes everywhere. It really makes the most of the uh, dwarves or, well, enemies in general. Creatures are made up of many different parts. <laughs> yeah, very multifaceted in that there are many parts that you can rip off of something, uh, including in-combat castrations. Uh, yes. I've seen, seen quite a few Reddit posts that are like, look, this goblin shot his dick off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yep. Very highbrow stuff right next to, like, this game is so beautiful and intricately crafted. Um, here's my fan art. And then right below that is Goblin who shot someone's dick off, and now the guy's puking mid-battle. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're just, they're just throwing up everywhere, walking around in their own vomit, covered in their own blood. It's... it's, it's it rocks. It, it does. It's the <laughs> best game, and I love it. I also love when it, so when, when there's the combat log, it'll show like all the intricate attacks and sometimes they'll make remarks like, so-and-so has died or I, I've been wounded, I need help. But then afterwards, like after the conflict, it'll kind of stay in effect, like it'll report what the dwarf is doing and if they're saying anything. And mm. I, I had one of my, and again, this is uh, classic dwarven parenting, uh, one of my one of my little guys, one of my children went ape shit after either not being able to make an artifact or maybe I let someone's parents rot out in the open. I can't remember. Uh, but he threw a little tantrum and a nearby worker dwarf just grabbed him and choked him to death. And then and then the dialogue afterwards was like, ah, I feel relaxed or something like. Yeah, I, I've improved I... wrestling. How splendid. I love that one. I used to, uh, with it was I, easy to do with Classic Dwarf Fortress, but I had uh, my announcements in a separate window, and there's a line of code that you can change in Dwarf Fortress. I believe you can do it in Premium as well, but you can make those dwarves' thoughts appear in the announcements window. Oh. It, it tanks your FPS a little bit, but... Uh, fine that's one of the things that can kill your fort is an fps death it'll happen inevitably but reading the dwarves thoughts the things that they were just randomly thinking as they went about their day is hilarious my favorite one was whenever a dwarf uh had a baby and the rest of the family would put in their two cents about it <laughs> and it was always hilarious when they said something along the lines of i don't feel joy from this oh <laughs> I'm not happy about this. Uh, I don't like babies. 
Yeah, or if they were like, you know, flirting or chatting. It's just, I think that's what adds to it for me. If you want to befriend the dwarves, if you want to personally know your dwarves, I definitely think it's important to have that turned on, those thoughts turned on, so you can really get a snippet into the how they work, because the dwarves themselves, not only physically are they very detailed in this game, but mentally they are as well. I mentioned they have likes, they have dislikes, um, preferred materials that they like things to be made out of, favorite foods, their gods, family members it just goes on and on yeah they can get they can develop like oh i don't like that person or oh that's my that's my buddy they they have arguments they they experience the rain and now they dislike something those sorts of things can happen yeah i got caught out in the rain and i'm gonna i'm gonna punch this guy who i just met yesterday yeah and then the fort falls apart yeah you mentioned like getting to know your dwarves and caring about them and all their little intricacies. I wanted to know, do you ever reach the threshold of not caring if they they live or die? Like, obviously, you're going to... It's worse when they die. Like, you're like, oh, no, my little dude. But when does that emotional connection go away? Because there was an article I read, like, a long-ass time ago. They called it, like, the, the monkey sphere or whatever. Like, how many monkeys can you hang out with? and have under your care before you stop caring about that? Like if Um, one of them got into an accident and died? Yeah. And I was wondering what your threshold is for dwarves with that. Okay. The bigger the fort is, obviously, the harder it is to know each and every dwarf individually because forts can get as big as, you know, 500 dwarves. I, at the start, I tend to... I, I try to get to know my starting seven, but as a streamer, my viewers will ask for uh, named dwarves. So I definitely tend to grow more attached to named dwarves than unnamed dwarves. Well, nicknamed dwarves, I should say. They, they all have their own individual names. But I, I definitely think I grow more attached to dwarves that are either nicknamed or they do incredible things. They don't even have to be dwarves. I had a human beast killer staying in my fort and she killed two forgotten beasts. Damn. On her own. Now, I, I was very upset when the third one got her. <laughs> I think I would definitely have to say, the bigger the fort, the harder it is to really be like, ah, oh, I don't want to kill this dwarf. It sort of becomes more of, you are going to be a quick sacrifice while I mine out this lava to make sure that it uh, gets to where it needs to go. Okay, I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't a monster because you were talking about like, oh, looking at their thoughts and editing the files so you can get to know them better and i was like well oh no i'll massacre a bitch (laughs) yeah sometimes they don't run they don't outrun the uh, magma and it's dwarves are uh, stupid yes dwarves are very 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 stupid you can do everything in your power to keep them alive and they will still deconstruct the floor underneath their fellow dwarf and then that dwarf will fall to their death because you're trying to you know change the floor out for something or who knows what you're doing they're not bright yeah if you put an open hallway in front of a dwarf and then a little side room with one opening to it and you tell them hey wall off that opening they'll climb into the room and then seal themselves in And then slowly dehydrate because you forgot that you set them on that easy task. Um, Or they'll, I'm going to take off my sock right in this doorway. 
(laughs) To be fair, though, if I were to take off an article of clothing and leave it in a doorway, I would assume it wouldn't wedge the door open for all eternity. But that just seems to be a special dwarf fortress mechanic. Because that can happen with, Well, there was a cat standing there. And (laughs) they can't build it now because the cat was standing there for one frame. You bring up cats. When cats kill, like, vermin, the remains will get left behind. And then if they're in a doorway, the door's just stuck open. So if you killed a dragonfly, uh, it's the world's fucking largest dragonfly, apparently. Because we can't Mm -hmm. close the door. No, don't know how to do that. That's not possible. Dwarven science just isn't there yet. No, no. I did want to share one of my big collapses with you. Please do. And then it ties into a game mode that I'm looking forward to uh, Uh. with Dwarf Fortress. But I had a fort where I basically tried to make a dedicated living area separate from where they were, where dwarves would either be training in the military or working their jobs. And I thought it was really neat. I thought it was great. I didn't see any problems with it until a forgotten beast showed up and I still remember it was like it was made of some crystalline structure I think it was definitely at least made out of rock but it was a forgotten beast that was like a snail I want to say it was some kind of invertebrate yucky thing and my military rushed down to go fight it and while they were doing that a goblin ambush had sprung and the civilian area was like it had a choke point which separated it from the rest of the fort but the goblin ambush basically cut it off from anywhere that they could escape and so basically all my civilians got cornered by goblins and this forgotten beast i think it had some kind of um can they shoot steam out of them like can they they can uh shoot something out dust that that's what it was it was dust and it just kept like it it had the dust and then it just kept pushing my dwarves against walls like it wasn't like like they would just go flying back and hit the wall and so i was like fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna flood the the mines that it's in and it climbed into like a little air pocket and stayed completely dry while the remainder of my military either drowned or got, like, crushed to death by it. And then all the civilians were getting butchered by goblins. And I it love was, it. It was just such a, like, a weird, like, getting hit by two things at once moment. And this was in Classic Dwarf Fortress. And so I went into Adventure Mode, which isn't, it isn't around in the Premium Dwarf Fortress yet. And I made a, like, Mary Sue, like, maxed out, like, all the stats. I think you can pick, like, what is a demigod for for their stats so that you can customize mm. them. Not super important, but I, I took this adventure and I went back to that fort location. And he killed all the goblin invaders that had taken all of the stuff and strewn it across the, the surrounding, like, countryside, like, up top. And then I found the the Forgotten Beast and like it was this knockdown drag out fight where my my little adventure guy got pretty banged up and he, he got the job done and then he leaves the fort and then froze to death. Like <laughs> everything like everything was dead. There wasn't a single thing left in the fort moving. It was this weirdly like poetic outro or what, what would you call it an epilogue to the to the fortress's yeah. story 
That's phenomenal. I haven't actually messed around in adventure mode. That's the one thing I haven't touched. I don't know why. I think I like the fort building, the fortress mode uh, more. I enjoy it more. Having to look over lots of little, that micromanagement of lots of little dwarves than trying to figure out one adventuring around. I see the appeal in it though. I, I think it just goes in depth in different ways. But Fortress Mode just gives you so much more stimuli. With mm. Adventure Mode, you can go out and explore and go to different places, but you can't build a whole lot. I think you can, like, I will take this rock and sharpen it or something. Uh, or I will, I will pick up this thing and throw it. It's still really cool to go out and explore and, and visit your previous forts that have been abandoned or maybe are still functioning. I know people would set up, like basically little dungeons to explore after they're done with their fort as an adventurer and i can't wait to see what they do with it for the steam release i am excited i, I will admit that i am definitely excited to see where it goes because uh, it is another amazing uh, storytelling feature that and legends mode which is really just just a library of everything that's happened in the world you've created it's it's mind-blowing because i i don't dabble a whole lot with legends mode but legends mode is like if they just instantly made like a wiki for your world that you've generated would you say that's a, a decent I'd say that's comparison that's pretty good yeah yeah <laughs> yeah anyone who's done anything ever in your world and even people who haven't done anything ever you can look them up in your and your legends, I think, right? Like, if a baby is yeah. just born, I could look that baby up in Legends I mode. believe so, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it's, it's intense. So you can look into other civilizations or you've stumbled across an artifact, you want to know more about it. Where did it come from? Or just a person, you know, in particular, or a god even. It's the depth, the depth, man depth <laughs> well you called it a, a story generator before and i've yeah. heard some people will just use legends mode to generate a, a setting for like a tabletop rpg campaign oh uh, they'll just be like uh yeah bada bing bada boom here's a world for my players to explore and here are the rulers here's the main geographical features here's the religions all made by uh, by my computer it take a lot of the work out of it. Yeah, as as someone who enjoys the social studies um, and history and all that junk, the religion stuff really gets me excited because I, I eventually hope you know when they they hook Tarn up to a robot body and he can live forever and just keep toiling on this. <laughs> I I just want like completely fleshed out cultures religions. I want dwarves to not be able to fucking understand each other because they speak different languages. I want it all. I just I, want look, to yes. be able to simulate reality. I want my dwarves... I want them playing Dwarf Fortress in Dwarf Fortress eventually. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm right there with you. I will die on that hill with you. I'm totally there for it. The more depth, the better. I, I want dwarves going to war because just different beliefs. You know, I want... The writing as well. Oh, it's so great. Also, I'm just saying that uh, in because there is a whole language in Dwarf Fortress. I think there's multiple languages. Yes. Uh, but Dwarven, Dwarvish is the main one. 
you know, that you're dwarves speak. And I'd like a few more words added to that vocabulary as well. <laughs> like, have, you know, the word for dwarf. We have, wait, the dwarves don't have a word for dwarf? I don't believe so, no. Well, do they have a word for, like, people? I don't know if they have one for people, because I was recently, uh, my latest fort, which still put a pin in that one, uh, <laughs> was based on Red Dwarf. So I tried to call it Red Dwarf, uh, but in Dwarvish, and I couldn't find a word for Dwarf, so instead I went for the Red Tomb of Man. Oh, yeah. As close as I could get. I was, I was getting confused, because I remember you calling your fort Red Dwarf, and then I did hear you say Red Tomb of Man. Yep. I was like, are those the same thing? Or yep. What's going on there? That's, okay. that's as close as I could get to, Dwarf, uh, to Red Dwarf. Interesting. I didn't know that. I, I haven't delved too much into the linguistics of Dwarf Fortress. I'm usually too busy, like, dying to something. There. <laughs> but that's, that's really cool. Are there any other, like, aside from the, uh, the desperately needed linguistic tweaks... Are there any other features that you're either looking forward to on the roadmap or just something off the top of your head that you'd want to see specifically included in the game? Definitely what you mentioned. I'd love anything that adds to the storytelling, to the depth, to the lore. Love lore. More lore, please. Um, <laughs> I'm curious. Ooh. 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 So I was um, taking a quick peek at the roadmap, I guess for th features that they're going to try to implement in the future. And I think the most fascinating one for me is the villains stuff. Oh, really? And I'd like to see the rest of that fleshed out because... So you've got, you've got an artifact in your fort, right? An artifact is a really expensive... Well, sometimes it can be dirt cheap, but it's an expensive, fancy piece of anything really furniture and so you've got it in your fort on display somewhere because it's really nice and you've got a tavern in your fort and you've got random people coming in and out of your tavern someone that comes into your tavern might want that artifact so one of your dwarves will go and take it hand it over to the thief and then they'll leave with the artifact if you've got a vampire in your fort they will have there's every possibility i don't know if it's every time but they will most likely be under a fake name there's that sort of scheming sort of thing going on and I, I think i'd love to see more of that okay yeah i i know that they've got like a there's a justice system in dwarf fortress but i'm sure it'll get more detailed over time we'll have dwarves collecting fingerprints and dwarves committing tax evasion and stuff although there aren't there aren't taxes we don't have like an economy no, I believe there was one uh, briefly, but it got taken out. Uh, and I think they'd like to put that one back in. It's such a weird thing because on, on one hand, like you said, any amount of depth, like, yeah, put that shit in my veins. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. But Dwarf Fortress is a game where if they act like their goofy little selves and act in their self-interest or act stupidly, which sometimes people do, uh, when profit motive is involved, shit will just go awry. And mm. so I don't know if I want my dwarves just saying like, no, I don't think I will build the well. <laughs> it's going to cut into yeah. my profits. Fuck you. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a fine line. There's definitely a, a fine line there. I don't mind how it is at the moment. And I think a lot of the work uh, going into the game at the moment is to get 
ready for myths and magic, but it is a long way away. Yeah, yeah, the roadmap is insane. And you you brought up myths and magic. That's another thing that I'm really looking forward to because as it stands right now, the only type of magic in the game is necromancy, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, and then whatever elves use to grow their furniture. Yeah. Unless that's just a load of hooey and they're chopping down trees like the rest of us. Whatever makes them sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah, only magic is raising people from the dead. And I want to see people throwing fireballs. I want to see geomancy. Is there any, like, is there a particular school of magic you'd like to see included? Honestly, my my main interest there is I just want to see how it will work. I think I'm more interested in the mechanics of that one, of... How, how, how's this going to play out? How is it? Is it spelled? Is it wands? Is it books? Is it, you know, glyphs? What? How, how are we going to do this? What's it going to look like? Oh, that's, that, I think, what I want to know. That's a way more reasonable and cool thought than, a, I want to see fireballs. I want to see lightning. <laughs> I didn't even think about, like, are they going to, yeah, like you said, runic magic. Uh, do you have to use a scroll? Do you need some sort of way to channel your powers? Are they going to need to study from books? Is it hereditary at all? Holy shit. Yeah, you just opened up a whole new thing in my brain. And since it's War Fortress, I'm going to have unrealistically high expectations that they will include all of those systems that I just mentioned and five more. I mean, you're not wrong. Probably will eventually. And if they don't do it, the modders will. Yeah, yeah. The modding community is crazy. I don't, I don't do a ton with mods. But I've seen people mention them. Obviously, there's a bunch of mods for, like, accessibility and tweaking the UI for the game. DF hack is a godsend. Yeah, I've, I've seen you use that a few times. Uh, right? You use that on your stream? Yeah, I use DF hack. I've used... Uh, DF hack is what... The only way I could play the game originally. Because uh, Dwarf Fortress, classic Dwarf Fortress, is scary to look at. It's very daunting if you've never seen it before. It's all ASCII. It's all bright colors. It's all keyboard. It's daunting. It's very, very daunting. You're staring into the matrix. Pretty much, yeah. What DF Hack does is it gives you a little bit of quality life improvements. Uh, you know, you can use the mouse and that sort of stuff. And I'd also use a tile set so I could actually see what I'm looking at. Some people are very much purists in that sense where they won't, they, you know, they wouldn't use a tile set. That's, you know, it's up to personal preference, really. I, I couldn't tell things apart. So I am very grateful for the Steam release having the graphics and the nice UI and that sort of thing. But DF Hack is... It helps with those really big builds, those fancy builds that you sort of see me and others doing because it can really easily create circles for you you know <laughs> things that look you look at it and go oh god what if there's one pixel out of place and then it's going to be off and the whole fort's ruined df hack helps you sort of navigate those things <laughs> yeah and going back to what you said about the the ascii art uh, another little quirk about it it and if i'm remembering this correctly because it's been a long while since i played with just ASCII art, doesn't it make the the tiles for the game not... Aren't they technically rectangles rather than perfect squares? Yes. Yeah, that drove me crazy. When someone pointed that out to me, it was like... It was like some sort of Lovecraftian, like I glimpsed 
forbidden knowledge I wasn't supposed to see. Yep. It was like, oh my god, it's all rectangles. There are no yep. squares here. So that's, on top of all the reasons you mentioned, I need my squares. Yeah, no, squares, squares are a must. I need to know, I need to be able to, you know, do math while playing this so I get all my little symmetrical and numbers right and it's got to be pretty, goddammit. It must be pretty or at least attempt to be pretty that's what i try to do eventually i'm like all right you guys get paved roads maybe if you if maybe. you act right and we survive a few years you get i might pretty smooth things. this out for you <laughs> maybe you've drawn a fair bit of artifacts that your dwarves have made do you have a favorite that you've uh, that you've recreated i was gonna say the gauntlet that i made but Today I was working on some and a goosebone crown. Ooh. Called oh gosh. Route stroked. So let's see, this is a goosebone crown worth 80k. 80? 80. Holy shit. Uh, all craft dwarfship is of the highest quality. It's decorated with goosebone and bull shark, encircled with bands of iron, oval quartzite cabochons, and oval red pirate cabochons. I'm really proud of how this one came out. Drawing these artifacts out is a task in and of itself because you have to sort of pull apart each one of the pieces of what it's made of, what materials is it made of, how, how is it decorated, and then how can I transfer that into a working artifact or object, everyday object. Dwarves like to cover things in spikes. It's very heavy metal of them. <laughs> and I don't want these artifacts to end up looking like the phones on death clock the death phones where they're just <laughs> pinching them and the thing is covered in spikes i d like don't get me wrong it's metal uh, metal as fuck i'm here for it but i would like i think the dwarves would be a little bit more this is still a usable object so i have to sort of how am i going to make this work and i'm really proud of how this crown has come out well, that's that's awesome that's a really good point about the spikes that's something that i'm kind of surprised that they haven't with all the depth that this game has, that they haven't added more ways for dwarves to decorate their their artifacts. Because you will get things like, it is encircled with bands of cloth and spikes of cloth. And on the image of cloth is an image of cloth on cloth. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and, and did I mention there's spikes of cloth on it? Oh, yeah. Uh, hanging rings of cloth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hanging rings of cloth, too. Can't forget that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crucial. But I'm actually just reading over the description now and I'm realizing that I forgot the hanging rings of silver. So I don't know how I'm going to cheat that in. But we'll cross that bridge later. You, you'll have to prepare a public apology to the dwarves. I think so. Yeah. yeah. They, they deserve at least that much. They do. <laughs> If you could pick one of the, either one of the Beastmen races from the game or a, a group from outside, like a, like a different fantasy setting or different mythology, what would you bring to the game? Or, or if you could uplift one of the Beastmen civilizations to be a full-fledged, kind of like the, like the elves. Plump and Helmet the Men. Plump Helmet Men? Plump Helmet Men. What does a Plump Helmet Man civilization look like? I want a mushroom kingdom. I would love a mushroom kingdom. Uh, just giant, giant mushrooms everywhere. Some real hidden grove, like deep in the caves. Oh, that'd be cool. Glowing fungus, moss, 
just that sort of thing. Hidden, hidden underground waterfalls. That's, that's what I want, and I want to be able to play as Plump Helmet Man because I think they are adorable. That was one of the like hidden questions that I didn't give you ahead of time, and <laughs> that was like one of the fastest responses to one of those. Plump Helmet Man, put him in. Get him in there. Him in. Get him they're, in there. Look, they're ready. There's. Oh, there's a lot, don't get me wrong. I uh, remember when the sprites were being released for uh, the Steam version and some of the creature sprites, and there was a worm man. <laughs> came a close second. Came a very close second. The worm people. Yeah. Honestly, I wish they could all just... Like, m- maybe during World Gen, it randomly picks, like, two or three and says, okay, yeah. we're going to, like, flesh these out completely. I imagine that would be a lot of work on the back end because you'd have to determine, like, you know, what's their civilization going to look like value-wise, like, with their morals and shit like that. But I, I'm a gamer, and that means I have unrealistic expectations, and I get upset when they're not met. So yep, 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 no, make no, it happen. Yep, no, I want it now. I want it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I honestly, if I could have all of them, I'd have all of them. But I, I think Plump Helmet Man would have to be up there. Yeah, they're they're cute. They're cute, they and I would they never fight them. They don't have faces. Them. Oh my. I don't, know, I don't know how they'd survive, but that's beside the point. Yeah, they're little mushroom guys. They'd have their yeah. own wacky way of surviving. Exactly. <laughs> this is fantasy. Anything can be possible. Exactly. <laughs> Would you rather live in a dwarf fortress for one year or have to raise a dwarven toddler for six months? Oh! <laughs> I'd rather live in the fort. It's that bad? The children are that bad? Well, I don't like children to begin with. <laughs> um, I very quickly punt that thing across the room. I would sacrifice it to the volcano gods very quickly. No, no, like real life. Like, you don't have total control over it. Like, it's just in your oh, house. Oh, no. I, no. Yeah, it's that bad. I would, uh, i definitely take living in a, in a fortress for a year because with a dwarven uh, toddler, I'd probably find them standing in the middle of the road playing with a puzzle box because that's just what they do you know (laughs) they stand in the they like to stand in the refuse piles and play do you have a refuse pile at home sure why not (laughs) Uh, well i've got a cat they probably stand in the litter box judgment free if you've got a magma forge in your house and other such hazards i don't know what things are like it's just this is how i roll (laughs) yeah well then they they they, if yeah they'd stand in the litter box just for the sake of it (laughs) The toilet, you know, just weird shit. I would definitely go for living in the fort. That way, at least, if I'm going to go down, I could go down in a blaze of glory. Well, see, another thing that I'm just, I'm thinking about here, because when I think of living in a, a dwarven fortress, I'm thinking of all the terrible things, but I'm looking at my fort right now, and there are people who have just been in my tavern for, like, two years. Just yep. getting pissed drunk like not not doing anything so i think i think that could be doable i have the opposite concern when it comes to the the dwarven child i'm worried that like it's gonna kill me 
I've seen so many dwarven children in my games just haul off and like hit people or hit animals and they're strong and so I don't want to just like ah oh, I didn't play with this kid enough and it's gonna he's gonna choke me now I haven't seen that a lot I haven't really had that problem I've had more they just stand in the worst places and they will not move because you can't control them you can't tell them what to do uh, so I just that's more my 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 thing. I would uh, in the fort. I'd hang out in like a library. I tend to build like libraries and museums in my forts. So I'd I'd hang out there and just read. <laughs> oh, that that'd be cool. Maybe yeah. maybe become a necromancer if you get lucky. Hopefully, we can only hope. <laughs> and then turn uh, anything that's dead near me back to life when I get spooked by something. Nice. I'm I'm glad we're in agreement on choosing the the fort life but for different reasons i i kind of just outed myself as not being good at taking care of my dwarven children in my forts but uh i mean so did i and honestly <laughs> i would be a little bit terrified if you picked the child over the fort yeah i Some hard judgment there i just they're they're scary they scare me a anything from the dwarf fortress world in our real world would scare me. I think I would just do better being protected by a dwarf fortress. Like, even the fucking ghosts. Like, in our world, ghosts, you know, verdicts out. Who knows? Uh, in dwarf fortress, like, I can watch a public official get his leg ripped off in the middle of the street by a ghost. Yeah, it's definitely a much more violent world, and you probably won't make the year, to be honest. <laughs> but at least it'll be funny. You know, you'll see some shit. And you'll be pissed drunk while doing it because dwarves only drink alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I think that's a, a trap that a lot of new players fall into where they're like, I'm by a river. I don't have to worry about them drinking anything. It's like, well, mm. eh, little do you know. They're, they're fueled then by alcohol. They, uh, they're by the river, but they forget to set it up as a water zone. <laughs> so they won't drink from it anyway. Again, dwarves are stupid. Dwarves are stupid. Yeah, it's, so <laughs> it's definitely uh, for new players I would say the, the important things that you need to at least learn first is drink, food and shelter in that order actually alcohol, shelter and food food, mm, shove it over a little bit but they're going to get upset if they're outside too long or they get caught in the rain so yeah. just dig down into the ground put down a still, put down a kitchen if you can get bit of alcohol going then you know you're pretty stable you can keep going from there if yeah. you get a stable that that setup you'll be fine yeah get a house get wasted question mark yep. question mark question mark profit yeah probably rich <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right on what are your what's your stance on nobles are they a challenge that should be embraced or pests that should be exterminated not to get political here yeah, definitely not to get political. I'm very much on the fence when it comes to nobles because my end goal is always to become the mountain home. I love it. I think it's great. I love it when like the queen or the king shows up. I love building them big, lavish areas. But I am not afraid to show a noble the way to a lever of importance. And what is a lever of importance? You put, you put a lever on the other side of a drawbridge, and that drawbridge retracts uh, instead of opens or closes. And basically, the dwarf pulling the lever has to be standing on that trapdoor to pull it. 
So they pull it, the floor comes out from underneath them, and they drop into whatever fun, exciting thing you have put below it, whether that be <laughs> water, magma, spikes, crocodiles, snakes, just a deep well into nothing. Um, yeah, that's sort of what that is. It's an easy and quick way to rid yourself of nobles without upsetting the dwarves too much because it was an accident yeah do they care a ton if if the nobility dies not really i think it depends on how they die but not really as long as they don't have to see it i think they're usually as long as they don't have to see it and it's not like a murder (laughs) but say you accidentally flood their room with magma they're gonna they're gonna be okay with that yeah, no evidence of, of wrongdoing here. It just seems like a freak accident. If a noble is become too annoying, whether that be they're asking me, oh, sorry, demanding that I create too many items, or they've just gotten depressed for some reason, then I'll, you know, nod, nod towards the lever and be like, hey, hey, go pull that for me for a sec. <laughs> just go over there real quick. But yeah, I'm pretty cool with nobles for the most part. Um, there's been a slight difference in, at least I think, I can't say for sure, but between premium and classic when it comes to nobles. I generally, vampires generally become mares because they're very charismatic creatures. So I'll lock them away, right? I'll lock them up right, and make them the manager or the bookkeeper and they can just sit there forever and they'll never come out and they won't die because they don't need to eat or drink or sleep and it'll be fine and I can continue on about my merry way but it doesn't quite work like that in premium because the outpost liaison the people that you trade with will want to have discussions with your mayor so that you can tell them what items you want the merchants to bring next year right they can't do that if you've got them locked up but you can't have a vampire running loose in your fort because you're just going to lose dwarves randomly so it's sort of like then you've got to unfortunately get rid of them you haven't really got a choice a nuanced a nuanced answer i do view them as a fun challenge i don't think i've ever like went out of my way to to get them killed i always view them as like all right like here's the next logical like progression in my fort let's try to put something nice together it's a it's a gameplay incentive to to be fancy, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so it's it's kind of cool. It's a mixture of uh, function and form where now maybe I do use gold as a building material <laughs> where normally yeah. I wouldn't. And there are some nobles that you can get attached to when you're, you know, you're you're building your fort up and it's becoming like a city and the, the outpost liaison will come and be like, okay, we're going to grant you a barony and you get to pick which dwarf gets it. Yeah. And you could pick one of your favorite dwarves. So you can become really attached to a noble. Or you can just be like, no, nah, I don't I don't want to politics. I don't want to listen to the man. <laughs> I left the kingdom because fuck you guys and just kill any noble that comes within 50 feet of you well see that's where again this is me with my my demands i want to see like dwarven communes i want to see penal colonies i want to see local nobility but like they don't automatically become the capital of the whole civilization later on 
Because sometimes it's a little silly where like, oops, I forgot to switch which civilization I'm starting as and I'm halfway across the world. But if I get rich enough, I'm the I'm the mountain home now. And yeah, yeah. so I, I would like to see Reasonable more variation demands. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I shouldn't be able to take over the entire country uh, because I've uh, I've 3D printed enough statues and I've attracted the nobility here. Reasonable requests, reasonable demands. I wanted to know because I I met you through Dwarf Fortress, I think, on on Twitch. Yes. What other games do you play? I'm very much, I enjoy my puzzles. I'm very much a platformer and I believe the term is boomer shooter. <laughs> I love fast paced shooters. Doom, uh, favorite, favorite game. Favorite, favorite, favorite game. Yeah, I think those are generally the games I gravitate towards. Um, my gaming started with uh, DOS games. So I'm a, I'm a PC gamer at heart, always. And it was a little demo disc, and I believe the original, like, Doom, Doom uh, Quake, Duke Nukem, those sorts of ones were on there. And I just played the ever-loving shit out of them, and they've stuck with me ever since. So I'm definitely a, a good old-fashioned boomer shooter. They're <laughs> up there for me. A fast platformer. And, I look, I love a good puzzle. I, I'm When I heard that they we're getting a new Professor Layton game... <laughs> I lost my shit. I, I, I'm not surprised by the puzzle thing because Dwarf Fortress is a very like I don't know. It's a I, I'd say it's a thinking person's game. You you gotta really use your brain a ton. I'm surprised that Dwarf Fortress has its hooks in me. Really? I yeah. I don't. I'm not really a fan of Civ builders. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of like. Micromanaging. <laughs> That's crazy Dwarf to me. Fortress has its has its hooks in me. I think it started with Rimworld first, and then the I was introduced line. to Dwarf. Yeah, the, the Dwarf Fortress pipeline. I was introduced <laughs> to Dwarf Fortress through Krug Smash, and I think that's what got me to the storytelling side of it. Because Krug Smash is a phenomenal storyteller and a phenomenal artist as well, and that. That got me hooked. It took me a few goes to get into it, and it wasn't until I started streaming it that I really was like, yep, this is it. This is my life now. This is my personality trait. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> and yeah, but other Civ Builders, Colony games, not interested. I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm probably going to try to push some on you at some point, but... Uh, I can imagine. I, I, I respect it, though. Although it's just... That'd be like if I said, like, yeah, I'm not really a big first-person shooter guy, but I'm gonna hop on CSGO later. I fucking love CSGO. I play it yeah. every day. It's like, this <laughs> is the, like, micromanaging colony sim to end all micromanaging colony sims. I think that's why, though. Yeah, it's the, you said the story. Like, it, yeah. it's so detailed, it, like, transcends that. Because I, I think I... See what you're saying? Because, like, RimWorld, I tried playing it, and mm. I was like, where's the Z-levels? What are these little guys all about? Like, where's their family? What what do they believe in and shit? And, like, not to knock RimWorld, I, I played it a, a little bit, and it's it seems plenty fun. But, yeah, it wasn't that same. I don't see a narrative evolving as I 
play through it as much as I do with Dwarf Fortress. Absolutely. Like, I could only play RimWorld modded up to Hell and High Water. And the DLC that have come out for it in recent have, you know, added to that, that depth. But Dwarf Fortress just, it's so detailed on so many different levels. You know, the smallest one of each one of your individual dwarves, all the way up to the entire world and civilizations and wars and dragons and all these sorts of really big things. And I think it's that level of detail that really can get you attached to these forts and to these dwarves, which makes you want to keep playing and want to get better so you can keep them alive and keep this story going and just find out what happens next because it's very much a natural progression and the game will just randomly throw things at you. It's not a top, like, I believe in uh, Rimworld, it's very much, you know, things will happen after a certain amount of time. Yeah. Or you have nothing interesting things happen to you for a while we're gonna send something at you that like that sort of stuff but dwarf fortress is the world is alive you're just living in it and hoping for the best and i think that's what i enjoy so much about it it's more than just a game damn that is a we should snip that and make that like the advertisement for the <laughs> game because i think i think that really does capture why people have been playing a game that for a while didn't even fucking have graphics really you had the ascii stuff but it is so in-depth it is so fun that it's been a cult classic and i really do hope that the steam release continues to draw more people in it's uh absolutely it's phenomenal absolutely the fact that it has a tutorial now and tool tips and can help you out you can use a mouse now yeah, you could use a mouse. Oh my god. It's great. It's definitely a lot more user-friendly, but my experience with the Dwarf Fortress community is they're all lovely and are happy to help Yeah, for the most part. That's definitely the, the main reason that I kept going. I was scared about playing, you know, streaming Dwarf Fortress because it is such a niche game and I didn't know what the main player base would be like, you know, because, you know, you find with small niche indie titles, they can sometimes be a little bit elitist. On the internet? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what the hell? And uh, so, I, I, you know what? I'll try. I'll try. I'll give it a go. And uh, I, I was playing it, and it's just nothing but help and kind words. Of course, you know, you're going to have your odd person who's a little bit, why haven't you got a well yet? You need to build a well. And I'm like, no, I fucking don't. <laughs> where's your pump stack you need to make a pump stack to make it well piss off like you know there's you're gonna have those sorts of people but for the most part they're all wonderful and happy to help you out and um but also let you find your own way and have quote-unquote fun there's uh and i don't even know how it got started but all the lingo and the ways to let new players explore the game spoiler free I think that's one of yep. the coolest parts about the community is just because when you go into like like any FromSoft stream, you're bound to, and if it's like a first time playthrough, you you're always gonna have someone say, "Did you find this yet? Did you fight mm. this guy?" And in Dwarf mm, yep. Fortress, it's like an unspoken rule that you don't tell people like you know some of the things that can pop up. You just let it happen. Yeah, you just go, you know, you, you tell them, you just wait till you've visited the circus. Say hi to the clowns for me. I have no easy way of segueing into this. 
So I'm just going to dive right in. I've seen you talk a few times on your streams about the books that you that you read. Yes. Some some scenes I've had to explicitly ask not be mentioned <laughs> during <laughs> this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go into go into Max stream later and ask them about the scene, uh, but we will not talk about it here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you say is like the weirdest book you have read? Okay. Okay. So I read a lot of sci-fi. Uh, classic sci-fi in particular. I read a lot in a, as, as a kid. I sort of got that gifted kid burnout. It took me a long time to get back into reading, which I've been trying to do. And I've read a lot of weird shit. Let's be real. That's what sci-fi is. It's just weird shit in space. It's the future. But I, I'm not going to say it is that. So I'm from Australia. I grew up in Australia, which means I grew up with Australian literature as a kid. And I can't speak for the rest of the world, but I can say that growing up, the kids' books that I read were fucking wild. A few a few favourites were Singin' Pooh, which is about a cat that oh, ate God. a small radio and pooped it out. Oh. So it was called Singin' Pooh. I, I, when you said cat, I was like, oh, it's not about the obvious. No, it's about the obvious. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> Uh, another classic is The Day My Bum Went Psycho, and its sequel, full, uh, Zombie Bums from Uranus, <laughs> and the end of the trilogy, Bumageddon the Final Pongflix. What's what's the target age range for that? Like tweens. Okay. Like these are these are kids books, but they were very much just gross. You know, some of the I remember some of the titles were just disgusting. That that was it. Just disgusting was the title of the book. Like that's the sort of thing that these were for us. So Paul Jennings and Andy Griffiths were like these were two authors that I grew up with that wrote some really just you know highbrow humor sounds like jokes fart jokes but you know the works and that's just the weird stuff have you ever heard of a little show called round the twist i have not so round the twist is a a classic australian tv show that i'm pretty sure it probably gave some kids nightmares but it was just weird and feel free to cut this bit out if it's too much but my favorite episode or the one that sticks with me the one that is just is in my mind at all times and i will never be able to forget is the episode about one of the one of the kids pisses on a tree and then gets pregnant from the nymph what? that's living in the tree and belches the baby out and the baby is green well that sounds more like a like ancient greek uh, show to me than Australian. It's wild. I'm pretty sure there's another one where the kid's dick turns into propeller and he wins like a swimming race with it. What? And then there's the crazy clown and it's just some really wild things and that they were originally books by Paul Jennings and another, ti- this is my favourite title of all time. I had to look this up to remember to get it right because it's a long one. So it's how Hedley Hopkins did a dare, robbed a grave, made a new friend who might not have been there at all, and while he was at it committed a terrible sin that everyone was doing even though he didn't know it. That's the full (laughs) book title. Holy shit. Those for me, I think, are some of the weirdest books I've ever read and nothing has topped them yet. That is a far more uh, PG response than I was expecting given the uh the stuff that i've that i've heard 
in the past. But but also, yeah, very, very bizarre. There's like grotesque or vulgar bizarre, and then there's just mm-hmm. truly out there, outlandish, silly, wacky bizarre. Yeah, and I think that's what's that's that's what kids want, in yeah. my opinion. Is they want the gross stuff that makes them go, ah, but they keep reading. I believe there was a South Park episode about where they read, I don't remember what the book was, but they were told it was, you know, going to be very grown up and, and, and gross, and they were reading through it and nothing happened. So they wrote their own book, and it was just, it just made the parents vomit constantly. Yeah, that's what kids want. They do. <laughs> that's what I wanted as a kid. <laughs> That, that weird stuff. And don't get me wrong, I've I've read, like, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a lot of stuff by Terry Pratchett. Like, those are weird books, but they're still reasonable. They're grounded, yeah. They're grounded. They make sense. Even the book that I dare not speak of because of that one scene was grounded <laughs> for the most part. It was weird, but it wasn't, like, it was, it was satire, you know? Yeah. I definitely think those kids' books have to be the weirdest stuff that I've read. Okay. And I would read them again in a heartbeat. Mentioning children getting nightmares, I just want to... I, I didn't even think about this until you started bringing up, like, freaky books. There's a book that was in our library back in elementary school called Taily Poe. And it was about a man living in a cabin in the woods with his hunting dogs. And he goes out into the swamp to hunt something for food. And he only manages to like catch this little animal and cut its tail off and it runs away. And then it taunts him and stalks him for the rest of the story. It lures his dogs away into the swamp and presumably they either get lost and die or it kills them. It eventually, the story ends with it getting into his house and it's the size of like a cat, but it completely levels the house and the guy is presumably either buried under the rubble or ripped apart. And we read, we read that in like first grade, May- maybe it. second. I was like, looking back, I'm like, what the hell were we supposed to learn from that? <laughs> what was the moral? Why did we, why did we read this? Who knows? Who knows? I remember a book that I part of me believes it was a fever dream because I've tried and tried and tried to look it up and I can't find it. I believe it was a horrible histories book though, but it was called Sick. And the premise of the book was to teach kids about illnesses, but in the most grotesque way imaginable. Basically this this little girl gets a CD in the mail and you know, she puts it in in the computer and it's the book goes on to discuss about all the gross side of medicine way back when and how we came up with certain discoveries and you know how we used to treat smallpox and all this sort of stuff and i remember there was this one panel that just showed a guy throwing up eating it throwing up eating it throwing up eating it multiple times and for the longest time i swear it was a fever dream i asked a kid who went to the same um, primary school with me who you know probably would have seen it in the library there and he he didn't know anything about it so it could be a fever dream but i don't think it is (laughs) Anyone listening, find that book. That's <laughs> I your, want it. Yeah, find that shit. <laughs> want that on Mac's desk a week from Yesterday. whenever this airs. I don't know when this is coming out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just... Kids' books are great because they're gross. I want the gross stuff. I don't want to be coddled or, you know, bubble-wrapped or cushioned or what have you. Give it to me straight in the grossest way possible. Yeah, I wish Taylor Poe had torn my house down when I was a child. <laughs> this has been this has been a treat. 
Uh, Mac, is there any place we can find you online? Anything you want to shout out uh, before we wrap up the episode? Yeah, so you can find me streaming on Twitch at TrashMac, also on YouTube as TrashMac, and I post my artifacts on Reddit and the Dwarf Fortress r slash dual fortress on the reddit there as trashy mac trash mac was taken so i had to put a y in it the bastards trashy mac if you're listening uh, do the right thing give it up okay give it up give it up give it up it's, I, I need it should be for me but yeah no that's about it i mean i've got an instagram but i don't really use it but that's trash mac as well that's 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 me come come to my streams come say hi we talk about tea books dual fortress and some other interesting things. Yeah. I'll let you find that out. Yeah, a little a little secret. You can't give it all away, otherwise they don't, no. they don't have to show up. Yeah, don't tell them about the panda just yet. No, no, not yet. No. All right, well, I, I only have one question left for you, Mac. I've been waiting all week for this Oh, my one. God, you seem like the only person who's ever been enthusiastic about it. Oh, uh, I am so enthusiastic about this. All right, say the line, Mac. NPCs!